Is this an unusually good year, or are you just seeing more prepared players at this stage of their development to step right in and have an impact? No, I, I think you're dead on. Um, in fact, the only other time we've had two quarterbacks in the top three was the year we had Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Um, yeah. Aside from that, we've been very weary doing that just because there's so many unknown variables. And, you, you know, you got to be at the right place at the right time, and everything's kind of got to fit. And then you know what? You have to be a dude, man. I mean, you have to actually be as advertised. Always College Football with Greg McElroy is presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hello and welcome in. Today is Wednesday, December 21st, and you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. Today is signing day. I mean, who doesn't talk about signing day in the middle of December? We are here at Always College Football. It's an unofficial holiday. Uh, a lot of people look at signing day through a prism of like, I don't care. A lot of people look at it like this is the greatest day ever. I probably fall somewhere in between. So we're going to have Tom Luganville on who lives for this day to talk a little bit about some quarterbacks that are going to be signing on the dotted line today. So we're going to talk quarterbacks today and recruitment of quarterbacks and how good this class is from top to bottom. As far as quarterbacks are concerned, I'm also going to tell you a couple things that I would change about signing day and how it's honestly an impossible task for these coaches that are trying to prep bowl games that are on the carousel to begin with. And yet they're still trying to sign a class. Dude, can we make an adjustment, please, please, please? Can we make an adjustment? Signing day being in the middle of December doesn't need to be this way. It doesn't need to be this hard. Let's adjust. Let's adapt. And let's figure it out. Hopefully, we can figure it out here sooner than later. But before we get to how we need to adjust it, let's celebrate it for a moment and talk about some of these guys that will be playing at your school here in the next six or seven or eight months. It's time for Let's Talk About It, presented by AT&T 5G. All right, we welcome in ESPN's recruiting director, whatever the heck he is. I don't know. Either way, he's my friend. That's how I introduce him first and foremost. He's Tom Luganville. Does an amazing job scouting, watching tape on all these guys, individually scouting them. Luke, how many people are on your team? <laughs> About four. Not, a, not yeah. nearly <laughs> enough for the, the number that we're dealing with. But I'll say this. We get a little bit of regurgitation, Greg, because now with the transfer portal being what it is, we're right. having less and less kids actually sign out of high school, and we're getting retreads that we'd already seen since they were 14, 15 years old. So I guess that makes it a little bit easier on our manpower. Uh, it sounds like you can just be lazy now. I think that works well. I think it's <laughs> perfect. Uh, I know that you've scouted, individually scouted a lot of these guys, but today we want to talk to you a little bit about just some individual prospects, if you will. Um, in a perfect world, we're going to have you back. We'll talk about classes and a few other things, but there sure. are some top guys that are still uncommitted. One in particular, though, kind of took the college football world by surprise. A longtime commitment to the Oregon Ducks. He's the number one quarterback in the class, according to some, not according to you. But Dante Moore has officially flipped from Oregon to UCLA. Seems like he could be a day one starter. What do we make of this flip late in the process? Well, I, I think it's somewhat uh, reflective of a change in leadership offensively, which of oftentimes leads to, I don't want to say a strain, but a relationship that had been established in recruiting and all of a sudden, you know, a Kenny Dillingham or somebody's not there. And that changes the focus a little bit. I think secondly, with UCLA and Dante Moore, 
the opportunity to come in and make an impact right away with the news coming about Bo Nix returning to Eugene. Let's call it what it is, Greg. I mean, guys want to play. They want to play right away. I think we know, uh, from my perspective, the skill set, the marriage of the skill set with what Chip Kelly wants to be ideally on offense is a perfect marriage. I think that kid sees that. It was clearly outlined for him. Uh, but again, it's just another indicator that recruiting is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I mean, this is a kid that's been committed to Oregon for a long, long time. And it's one of the reasons why you never stop recruiting. And with all of the other things going on around recruiting, including name, image, and likeness, it's all going to play a role. But I still think it comes down with quarterbacks in particular, playing time, early opportunity, being yeah. in the right marriage and the right fit offensively. And honestly, Dante Moore, the flip to UCLA, interesting. Chip Kelly's done an amazing job with quarterbacks in the past. It yep. should come as no surprise. His skill set, is it somewhat similar to Dorian Thompson-Robinson? Based on what I've read, it sounds like it was. Yeah, he's just a bigger version, Greg. He's yeah. um, he's taller. He's a little bit more physically advanced than DTR was. Um, I don't want to say I would more put him in more of a Marcus Mariota category, uh, he's not that tall, but when, when you look at kind of similarities of skill set in the offense and that offense that Chip Kelly coached, I think you'd see a lot of the similar results, the, the similar game plan, the approach uh, revolving around the strengths of, of Dante Moore. He is what I would call a passer first that's athletic enough to be a true dual threat and be a guy that can be a threat with his legs, but he's not going to be a guy that just takes off and runs because he's athletic enough. He's going to throw it. And then he's got some of those other traits that can make him dangerous when things break down. Well, your list in the ESPN 300 this year, uh, it's no surprise that the top three are all quarterbacks, all receive the 93 grade. I believe that's out of 100. So it yep. sounds like you have three bona fide blue chips. But no, not to be outdone. I mean, you look at Jackson Arnold came in at number eight. I mean, four quarterbacks in your top eight prospects tells you all you need to know. So let's go through those. We just hit Dante Moore. He came in, according to you guys, at number three. Some services have him at one. Either way, he's a good player. <laughs> Possibly a day one starter. Malachi Nelson will not be a day one starter, assuming he remains committed to USC. He's been there for a while. It shouldn't come as much of a surprise, but he's from Los Alamitos, California. He's your number one quarterback. What separates him from the others? I, I think his natural ability to be able to get rid of the football in a variety of ways. I think we're seeing with offensive football now, you've got to be able to change arm angles. You've got to be able to be creative with how you're getting the ball out. Things aren't going to be ideal. You're under too much duress. You've got to be able to flick the wrist and get the ball out and make difficult throws to intermediate and deep areas, both within the pocket and on the move. And that's where Malachi, I think, really thrives. He's got a high ceiling for physical development. He's he's rail thin right now. He's actually built a little bit like Jaden Daniels was coming out of, of high school when he committed and signed with Arizona State. Um, I just like his upside to develop. He's going to get bigger. He's going to be stronger. Again, the marriage with the offensive uh, approach, he was a one-time Oklahoma verbal commit, so he knows exactly what he's getting into, who's going to be coaching him. Um, and I, and you know, I look at him, and you, you look at a guy like Arch Manning, maybe not as creative, not a guy that's going to, you know, just wow you with all these crazy physical attributes. He's a, he's a little bit more of your traditional guy, although he's the best athlete of the Mannings when it comes to his feet and ability uh, to move. And then you mentioned the one guy, and I think when it's all said and done, when we get through high school playoffs just ended and we get through the high school all-star game format, I think that Jackson Arnold 
uh, when we get him down in Orlando and we see him for a week at the Under Armour All-America game, we see him start to compete and battle against some of these other guys. He's the one player that I think could end up jumping into the top five of our overall rankings once the second signing day in February is completed. And he's also the most productive player on the field as a senior at the quarterback position. He had a remarkable senior year. Is that partly because he's from Denton, from Texas, where the competition, I mean, he's just probably, no, no disrespect, I don't, look, I don't know that much about, about Isidore Newman High School where Arch Manning right. went. I, from what I gather, it's lower level competition. It is. Uh, I don't know much about Detroit high school football. I just don't personally know. Uh, and Los Alamitos, don't get me wrong, Orange County, they play good football there. Yeah. Uh, that's for sure. So good football in the Southern California area, playing there in... But I, I know Dallas-Fort Worth probably about as good as it gets. So you think it's because of the competition he faced on a week-to-week basis when he was at Denton Geyer High School? I, I do. And I, what I also like about it is, and you know, you've been around this enough. You went through it. And you were more of a late bloomer in the recruiting stages. But some of these guys that get those early accolades, right? And you know, they're getting offers as sophomores, and they've played significantly. Oftentimes, you can go and you look at their senior year, and you might just kind of go, eh, oh-hum, you know. The thing that I love about Jackson Arnold is against top-level competition at a program where there's such a high standard to perform, you could argue he had the best season he's had as a high school player. He continued to get better. He continued to elevate his game. And right now, if you're the University of Oklahoma and you see where they're at at the quarterback position, there could not be a more welcome addition to a college football roster for Brent Venables and Jackson Arnold right now. Yeah, it's it's high praise, obviously. Uh, and I know, hey, man, you, you go play quarterback at at Oklahoma, you, you better be ready to go because yep. you know that that is a quarterback-driven school and, a, and certainly a quarterback-driven system. A, a strange, I, I guess, something that you don't often see with quarterbacks are two guys that are in your top 30 uh, that are both committed to the same place. I, I'm not sure yeah. I've ever seen it, to be honest with you. You have Eli Holstein, who's committed to Alabama. He committed back yeah. in May. And then you have Dylan Longerin, who is also committed to Alabama. He committed two months later in July. What is what is this? I've never seen two guys from one, from one signing class that are both very, very highly regarded that are both going to the same place. How do you explain it? Uh, well, again, you know, it, it, I think it's one of those things where the player's committing to a program because the player really wants to play for that program. Now, nobody has a crystal ball. Obviously, there's only one football. There's only one spot and competition will take place and they'll battle. But it tells me a couple of things about both of those guys. They don't care who else is signing. Um, they don't care who else is in the room. They want to play football for the University of Alabama. And if, mm -hmm. if through the, the course of competition and opportunity doesn't present itself, then, of course, I think in this landscape, we're going to see guys who are high-profile prospects if something doesn't work out and they enter into the transfer portal. They're going to have a landing spot, and they're probably going to be highly coveted. And then if you consider two guys in the same class like this, which is rare, you know, you're probably going to go through one, maybe two cycles max of overall competition before one of those decides, hey, maybe this isn't quite right for me, but yeah. whoever it, that is, okay, that person's going to have three years of eligibility left. They're going to become a very, very attractive commodity in, in the transfer portal. So I think it's reflective of their competitive temperament. And I also think it's reflective of making choices, not just based on NIL, not just based on early playing time, 
but making a choice based on maybe some more substantive factors in the overall decision. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Uh, other significant additions. We're, I know we're kind of limiting it to quarterback, but why wouldn't we? <laughs> so, right. uh, Jaden Rashada to Florida. Uh, Nico, I am a I am a Levia. I don't even, I feel like I've, I'm a Leva. I'm a Leva. I'm a Leva. I'm a Leva. All right. That's easy enough. I'm a Leva. I can handle that. I was making it too, too difficult. Um, is it fair to assume that both Jaden Rashada and Nico, I'm a Leva are starters day one, respectively at Florida and Tennessee, where they're both committed? I think it would be fair to assume that they will be given every opportunity to be that guy when it comes to reps being doled out. I don't know if, and this is just me and my belief of the position, that's a steep learning curve, man. And I don't care how productive you are in high school. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. There is so much pressure on these guys to perform now on the expectation level and name image and likeness, particularly as it relates to a guy like Nico, who's, you know, been entrenched in this now for almost two recruiting cycles, you know, he's got to show up and he's got to perform. I mean, his, right. his shoes to fill are going to be so large. And again, it's a steep learning curve. What are the components around you? How quickly can you learn and process? How mature are you to handle all of the auxiliary things that are going, uh, you know, on around you? Um, I think he probably has more pressure on him right now than say um, Jaden does. But Jaden's going to be thrown into the mix, too. We watched Florida in the bowl game. We've seen Florida throughout the year at the quarterback position. They need help. I don't think they had any definitive answer out of Jack Miller in that bowl game. I know he was injured and had not played really throughout the entire year. Um, I don't think anybody, any coach worth their salt, is doing themselves any favors by just anointing a kid to get him to come there and tell him, hey, you're going to be our starter. But I do think those guys will be given every opportunity to not be the starter because, number one, there's a lack of depth at both of those places, and there's a need for an upgrade at quarterback. Finally, Lugs, we'll get you out of here with this. Uh, it feels to me like a really good quarterback year. Um, I, I look at, at just, first of all, you referenced it. Three guys currently occupy the top three spots. Malachi Nelson, Arch Manning, Dante Moore. You referenced Jackson Arnold could slip into the top five after you get through the all-star game circuit. You've yeah. already talked about two guys that are down there in the twenties and thirties and Jaden Rashada and Nico. I am, uh, I'm a Leva. Two guys that could be day one starters. Two guys at Bama that could also factor in as a potential day one starter at well as well. It feels like to me more quarterbacks are higher in the rankings this year than they've been in quite some times. Is this an unusually good year, or are you just seeing more prepared players at this stage of their development to step right in and have an impact? No, I, I think you're dead on. Um, in fact, the only other time we've had two quarterbacks in the top three was the year we had Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Um, yeah. Aside from that, we've been very weary doing that just because there's so many unknown variables. And, you, you know, you got to be at the right place at the right time and everything's kind of got to fit. And then you know what? You have to be a dude, man. I mean, you have to actually be as advertised. And there's yeah. a lot of failure in that rate. But I do think top to bottom, it is a really gifted class of not only passers, but athletes, guys that have played a ton of football, that are going to come into the collegiate level with a, a 
three, four years, uh, years of starting at the varsity level and a variety of different uh, levels of competitions. And, you know, we talk about some of these guys up near the top and things of that nature. And then you look at a guy like Marcel Reed that Lane Kiffin's got coming yeah. in to the fold at Ole Miss. And, man, he reminds you an awful lot of Matt Corral. So now you get excited about looking at a guy like that, higher upside. Maybe he's not a play right away guy, doesn't need to be. But, wow, Lane Kiffin can develop that guy. So there's some of those dudes, too. But the other thing, too, I mean, it's not often when you see, and granted, these guys are from states that, you know, their schools are in. Like Avery Johnson, you know, he's committed to Kansas yep. State. Uh, J.J. Cole is committed to Iowa State. I mean, that, not going to the obvious, oh, well, hey, you're a top guy. You're a top 100 player in the country. You're going to Ohio State and Michigan. And, you know, <laughs> it seems like sure. maybe there is a little bit more brand loyalty to stay home when compared to what it turned into the last few years because of NIL. So you see guys like Avery Johnson choose Kansas State, JJ Cole choose Iowa State, and other examples of that as well. So maybe, maybe things are coming back around a little bit, Luke. Yeah, and I think they're, they're also looking for opportunities. You know, not just an opportunity to earn NIL, but an opportunity for the overall big picture to pan out. Where do they fit? How do they fit? Are they in the mix immediately? If they're not, are they going to be in the mix as a redshirt freshman, if you will? Or could they be in the role and be integrated as a backup? That's still, that's still attractive stuff for a young player at a Power 5 school if you're playing quarterback and you're a high-profile guy. And, and you're right, to some of these, you know, outpost, you know, spots, uh, Texas Tech's got one in their class right now that I kind of like. You just mentioned Kansas State. Uh, Sam Horn was a guy like this at Missouri last year uh, that that was was highly touted but decided to to, to join the Tigers. I just yep. think you're seeing a little bit more of that. And a lot of it, too, has to do with where you are. Like, where where where's your footprint? If Avery Johnson is coming up in the state of Georgia or he's coming up in the state of Louisiana, does he go to Kansas State? I don't know. Uh, maybe, but... Maybe his profile is much higher because he's in a different footprint, although he has a high profile as it is, uh, particularly as it compares to most guys that Kansas State maybe had a shot at in the past. And then they land a guy like that. And most people didn't think that would happen. Yeah. I, and if there's one thing we've learned too, Chris Klein has done a pretty good job with quarterbacks. So uh, yeah. dating back to his time at, at North Dakota State, Luke's great stuff. We'll have you back again. We did quarterbacks mostly today. Still a lot of other quarterbacks I want to ask you about and several other positions as well. Then we need to get into the overall classes. So as we put a bow on the season, we're going to have you back to talk a little bit more about the recruiting as long as you're good with that. I am good with that, man. I miss you and I appreciate you having me on, buddy. All right. Love you, man. Appreciate you. All right, buddy. Love you too. See ya. Let's talk about it. It's brought to you by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. This episode is brought to you by AT&T, official sponsor of the college football playoff. Is checking your team stats at 2 a.m., watching highlights while eating with buddies, or catching the game during a wedding all too much? Nope, because too much college football is never too much. And AT&T 5G keeps you connected all season long. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. Okay, y'all, 
this is a special day. No matter where you fall on when signing day should occur, how it should occur, it should totally be removed from the season. It should be moved up. There shouldn't be a signing day, what have you. No matter how you feel about signing day, this is a life-changing day for many, many people. Acknowledge that for a moment. All the guys that are signing on the dotted line, even if this day has been watered down, even if this day has changed and where it falls on the calendar is very much an inconvenience for many, this is a life-changing day. I can remember vividly the day that I signed my letter of intent. And it was super cool. Now, it was back in the, you know, in the Stone Age, essentially, back in 2006. Walk into Southlake Carroll High School wearing... My red tie or crimson tie, if you will, and the only suit I owned. And I sat and I signed alongside my teammates who are all also going to be going to play college football. What was cool is that our year, we actually had 10 guys go D1, which is a ridiculous number. Uh, we went to a public school in Dallas, I might add. Now, D1, maybe not the highest levels of D1, but we had 10 guys go D1. We had two guys go D2. And we had one guy go D3. 13 of us sat there alongside each other and signed our letters of intent. We actually did it too, by the way. Like it, a lot of people do it, it's just for show and the TV cameras are there and everything. No, like everyone actually had to fill out the thing. And some of my teammates took them a little longer than others uh, to be able to read through the fine print. But hang on, wait, what? What am I signing up for? Ultimately, though, it's a day of celebration, man. You worked your whole life. And there are, at least in that time, there weren't social media platforms for you to showcase how hard you work. <laughs> All right? Nobody was posting videos of us in the weight room throwing around a certain weight. No one was posting videos of us chalking up our hands and doing some power cleans with some front squats at the end. Like We weren't doing complexes there in an effort to go viral on social media. Like We did it because we wanted to get to that point. We wanted to win in high school. We wanted to win a championship. We wanted to have the best season that we could possibly have to bring pride and joy to our hometown. And then ultimately, if we did those things, we would potentially be rewarded with an opportunity to play in college football. And that's what today is all about. You have achieved a dream. A lot of people are always going to think about the business side of college football. I, I get that. Uh, the business side how important it is to win, all these other things. But ultimately, every single one of these kids, when they teed it up in the front yard when they were eight years old, they didn't do so thinking, man, I'm going to get to the league. Man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get paid to do this at some point. They did it because they loved the game. That was the initial reason. And then that dream starts to become a reality as you get a little bit older. You start thinking, man, maybe I can play in high school. Maybe I can play in college. Maybe I can play in the NFL. Well, this is the first hurdle. You played in high school. It's awesome. You achieved that. That's great. Now, officially, you are a college football player. And that transition is pretty special for a lot of people, man. And I will never take for granted the opportunity that was afforded to me by the University of Alabama to go and to be able to play college football and to graduate with no student debt. I will always remember that I would go to school for free. And that burden of student debt was not something that I was ever going to have to deal with. And I was so incredibly relieved when signing day got there because I was one that never had a ton of confidence in myself as a player. I just didn't. Uh, I was a backup basically my whole career, 
And then finally, my senior year, I got a chance to start. All of a sudden, these offers came flowing in, but I still viewed myself with a chip on my shoulder, like a backup, like, oh, I'm going to show everybody. Like, I just never really had that satisfaction of being a returning starter and a guy that was kind of living in the moment of trying to get recruited and all these other things. Like, I always thought that maybe I could play football, but maybe I'd be a walk on or something along the lines of that. But it became very real. And I always had this fear that it was all going to slip away. Like Alabama extended an offer to me, but it wasn't committable. So by the time I faxed my letter of intent in, it finally felt like, man, they can't take it away now. Like I am in. And I remember finishing up that whole process, taking pictures, having my family there, having my grandparents there, knowing that they all contributed to that moment as well. You don't do it alone. A lot of guys are, in some cases, first-time college attendees, the first of their entire family to potentially go to college. And they all got to that point because other people pushed them and supported them and gave them the platform to be able to chase their dreams. So I think that this is a celebration of a day for not just those that are signing, but also those that are basically extended and that have some piece, just a small little piece of the success of that one individual. I remember there were people in the community that took great pride in the sense that Southlake had 10 guys go to D1 in the 2006 signing class. Like They thought that that was so cool because they all attended every game and they had a small piece in our little success as a fan. That I thought was really neat. So it's for the community. It's for your teammates. It's for your family. It's for yourself. It's just a really special moment. So that needs to be highlighted today. I also want to make sure that those of you that are unhappy with where a kid decides to go, resist getting on Twitter today and bashing kids. Resist getting on Twitter today and bashing a decision. Like I have seen so many guys over the course of my career covering the sport and playing the sport where guys have gotten absolutely destroyed because they decided to go elsewhere. If social media existed when I was committed to Texas Tech and then decommitted only to flip to Alabama, I'm sure I would have gotten crucified. I'm sure. It's just human nature to prey on the emotions. But resist that temptation today, please. Allow this day to be a celebration. Don't take to Twitter. Don't criticize kids that are just trying to do right by them. And don't, by the way, at this day and age, this thing could come back around in a heartbeat. He might be signing somewhere else other than your school only to enter the portal next year and transfer to your school. But if you light him up on Twitter because he changed his mind, maybe your school won't be on the list. So you're only doing yourself more harm if you attack kids and you attack their character and all this other stuff at this stage of the game. Finally, as it relates to signing day, now that we got the good and the bad out of the way, we need to make some adjustments as it relates to the signing period. Because right now, there are a tremendous number of schools that are operating at a significant disadvantage because of when signing day is. And we have a signing day that is going on while the transfer portal is officially open. Like That can't happen. Transfer portal and signing day should not go hand in hand. Transfer portal and signing day should almost exist separately because the transfer portal should be used for reinforcements that you didn't get on the recruiting trail or vice versa. Do the portal, make those portal guys decide, 
then do signing day and figure out who you want to go where. And, oh, man, we missed on that guy in the portal, so we need to add another right guard. We need to make adjustments to the calendar so that the portal and signing day aren't open at the exact same time. Also, it'd be great if we could push it back just a little bit. Give it two weeks. Second semester, people say, oh, well, it's for educational purposes because you don't want it to get into the second semester when classes have already started. Well, what classes start on July 3rd, right? If you move it back just a couple weeks, we'll be into January. I said July. I'm talking January. We'll be into January. You could put signing day on January 4th. You know what that does? That would affect only two teams, the two teams that are playing for the national championship. Those would be the only two teams that have not put in a bow on their season. And so what? Like They're in the national championship. What more do you need? Like Put signing day in early January. If you're worried about it conflicting with the academic calendar, if it's... Look, if it conflicts on January 4th, that's the first time I've ever heard of that because last I checked, I feel like most classes start like January 11th, January 10th in that vicinity. It's really that second week when classes really get going in most places. So I would love to have it there on January 4th, sign on that day, at least open the window, maybe starting on January 2nd, on the 3rd and on the 4th. If you sign in that window, you can go. If you choose not to sign, then you can sign like we usually do on the first Wednesday of February. I wish in a perfect world that signing day was still in February because I want the conversation about the sport to be year round. I feel like once we put a bow on the national championship, well, signing day, Hayes in the barn, we basically go away for two or three weeks and allow the NFL to completely dominate the conversation because they have college, they have the playoffs going on at that point. And then, boop, you pick it up for one day there in February where everyone revisits and looks at what their signing class was. And then you go away for six more weeks before spring games start. So in a perfect world, yes, I would love to see signing day exclusively in February, but I know that's not going to happen. Move it up to the first Wednesday in January. That's the last day that you can sign. If you want to do it up until then, you can do it before then, whatever. But have a wider period in which you can sign. Because right now, having it right in the middle of bowl prep for a lot of these teams is really not good. It's not good on the coaches. It's not good on the players. Because now if you have it on the 21st, guys that are coaching currently might not even be coaching there two weeks from now. And yet they're still recruiting on behalf of a specific school. So if a kid chooses a school because of a coach and that coach leaves in two weeks... What good does that do? That young man's going to be disgruntled before his college football career even gets underway. So I would definitely make some adjustments. So I hope, I really, really hope that's something we look at here at some point in the near future. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight 
S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, thanks so much for being with us. It was a great show today. Please like, rate, and subscribe. Check in tomorrow. We're going to continue to preview bowl games. We've got a lot to look forward to here this week. And we're going to have Chris the Bear Felica coming up in the next few days as well as we start to highlight the gambling angles with some of these games. So you don't want to miss it. We really look forward to you being back with us tomorrow as we continue to dive in on college football. For Jack Foster and Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. This has been Always College Football with Greg McElroy presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.